0: Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. My guest this week, ESPN's Ian Begley, and we get into the Knicks hiring of David Fisdale as their new head coach, what that means for the organization, what it means for the future of Kristaps Porzingis in New York, and we talk too about the Celtics and Sixers, a rivalry that is going to continue here for years in the East that may become the rivalry again in all the NBA over the next decade stay with us welcome into ESPN's Ian Begley here in Boston home of the Knicks last playoff series victory in 2013 Boston amazing
1: five years ago <laughs> it's been five long years for this franchise and uh, I mean, they hope to get back to that stage now with the with the David Fisdale hire, but uh, they're man. a long way
0: they're a long way from it. Yeah, it's been a
1: long, <laughs> long road.
0: Ian, the hiring of Fizdale in New York after, I mean, listen, they interviewed a lot of guys. Eleven by your count, I needed your math skills <laughs> to add them up. But from the very beginning, Fizz was at the top of that list, and he ends up being the hire. What's your sense of it?
1: It seems like Fisdale checks off some of the boxes that the Knicks were looking for, right? They were looking for someone who had a good background in player development. Fisdale has that from his days in Miami. They were looking for someone who can establish a good rapport with players, uh, you know, the, the Marcus Saul stuff is one thing, but outside of that, it seems like Fisdale has a good relationship with a lot of players around the league, a lot of players he dealt with in Miami, and they were looking for someone who was a, a good communicator. And, you know, Eric Spolstra, who's admittedly biased because Fisdale is one of his best friends, he called Fisdale an A-plus communicator. So when you look at what they were actually looking for, it seems like Fisdale kind of fits that profile. You know, certainly there were a ton of candidates out there I'm sure it was a tough decision. You know, whenever a guy like Mike Budenholzer is on the market, you know, you have to strongly consider uh, him as your next head coach. But I I think, you know, by and large, it seems like they made a right decision here.
0: Yeah. And this is a coach who very much wanted to be in New York. The Phoenix job was there for him uh, if he wanted it. And he walked away from that without another offer in hand because he wanted to wait on New York. And I think he had some confidence that he could get the offer too, but even in the last few days, he'd interviewed in Atlanta, Orlando, Charlotte. I think if he had pushed for an offer from any of those teams, might have gotten it. And and Milwaukee was getting ready to interview him too. And he was still owed some money anyway from Memphis for next year, so he was in a good position. But this was a job he wanted, and I think he's a fit in New York. In that he gives all the things you talked about as a coach. I, I think he's a very good tactician. I think he showed that. In that Spurs series, you know, took the Spurs to six games and, and it was a tough six games for them. And, you know, really this past season got off to a great start before the injuries, beat Houston, beat Golden State. I think they were seven and two before that rash of injuries, the losing streak. And then ultimately it was the relationship with Gasol that did him in. And that, that will be, I know he's going to reach out to Chris Epps Porzingis here in the near future. And listen, Players are all different, and I know people want to say, "Well, he had trouble with one European big man? Will he have trouble with another? Gasol and Porzingis, like any two American players, are not the same. And I think with Porzingis, what he wants to see from the Knicks is, I think he wants to see a coach who can bring accountability to the group. I think Chris Stapps wants to be coached himself. You can be hard on Chris Stapps. And it is hard to earn Gasol's trust. And... Once he lost that trust with Fiz, they were never able to put it back together. I think New York has made Chris Stapps a little more cynical, less trustful than when he walked in the door as a very earnest kid. It'll be interesting to see. I think Fizz like he did with Gasol, went to Spain, spent time with him when he got hired there. I think that's coming here pretty quickly with him going to Latvia, which I don't think anybody else on the Knicks has done before him. No one in, with New York has gotten on the plane in the off season and gone and spent time with Chris Dapps in Europe. But I, I think that will be the first order of business for Fizz. So,
1: Boge, I'm glad you brought up what you brought up about Porzingis because I, I think when you talk about Gasol and Porzingis and coupling the gasol Fizzdale relationship with what might happen with Porzingis, it's kind of silly to me because, you know, they're two different people. What, just because they're from the same continent means that they're going to have the same reaction to Fizzdale. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then, you know, you, you talked about, what Chris Stapps wants, I think you hit it on the head because we all kind of wondered uh, who is Chris Stapps going to want to be his next head coach, is he going to throw his weight around and my understanding of this thing is that all he wants is to be put in a situation where he can succeed to be put in a situation where he's confident that ultimately he will win in the NBA, he will be developed the right way and he'll be uh, surrounded with the right players and the right coaches and he did not have that confidence uh, with the Knicks uh, especially last year when he skipped out on that, that exit meeting with Phil Jackson, Steve Mills, and, and Jeff Hornacek. But I think he's looking at this thing with an open mind. And I think uh, David Fisdale and him, you know, it's going to be a blank slate here. There's not going to be any baggage coming into this relationship. And the idea that Fisdale is going to go over to Latvia, as you reported, is very important. And there hadn't been a top Nick official over there these past few summers. You know, assistant coach, Josh Longstaff, who is not with the organization anymore. He's with the Erie Bayhawks now, but he made the trip over there. And that meant a lot to Porzingis. That, that really forged the relationship between Porzingis and Longstaff. So the idea that Fisdale is also making this trip now, I think is a big step for the new head coach.
0: Yeah. And I think with Fisdale too, there's, you know, there's certainly credibility from being, having been a part of the Miami program. And he did a good job in Memphis. And it was interesting. This coaching market has been slow to develop, and I think part of it is a lot of teams are trying to figure out – there's no obvious hire for teams. There's no – there's a lot of – some really good coaches on the market, but a lot of teams are interviewing a lot of the same guys. And I think for New York, too, having – I think Fizz's charisma, his personality, he's somebody I think they hope can get out in free agency – in 19 and and be a face of the program. But I think people sometimes, I think they often overstate the impact a coach has in free agency. This isn't college basketball. And I would always laugh when people talked about that Calipari's value in the NBA would be as a recruiter in free agency. It it doesn't work that way. And what sells in free agency is obviously cap space, having a lot of talent to join market. Those three things, money, money, the talent, the kind of team you're joining, where it is, coaching is a distant fourth because the coach is disposable. Mm -hmm. Like If you don't like the coach, you'll get a new coach. Mm -hmm. And history shows the coach is going to turn over a lot in the league. I think when all things are equal, players see a system or especially guys on uh, shorter deals who are maybe trying to rebuild their value can see Mm -hmm. a certain coach in a system like players who've gone to play for Mike D'Antoni or who saw an opportunity to Pad stats and, and and maybe increase their value for the next deal, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it doesn't play a great part. But I do think though they needed a face to be able to to sell it. But more importantly, they need the baseline of a program. They need the young players have to get better, and more importantly, like they've got to get better players. They've got to draft. They've got to nail this draft. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their own pick. They have Chicago's pick from Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. which would be an early second round pick. You know, And so they've got to get better players and and more more than anything. So it'll be – I think fans will love him in New York. I think he will be a popular figure. He'll be approachable. He'll be accessible to people. And, I mean, I really thought from the very beginning he was going to be hard to beat in the process, and and it turned out to be.
1: So the interesting thing for me is is it kind of seems like there is a clear path forward for this organization at this point, and that's not something you really could have said of the Knicks – in, in, in the recent past and really in, in in most of the last 20 years. But, you know, this, if Steve Mills and Scott Perry got this right, Dave, hiring David Fisdale could be the first step in their path back to normalcy. Because you mentioned, Woads, well, they have their first round draft picks going forward. They have to hit those. If they do hit those, they have, they can put together that young core around Chris Stapp's Porzingis that could be attractive to big time free agents because you mentioned what free agents are looking for. Market is a big deal. And I think players have always wanted to play in New York. They just haven't wanted to deal with all the drama and the negativity surrounding this franchise. Somehow, some way, if Mills and Perry can lift that cloud a little bit and put together this young core, They could potentially attract some free agency. I mean, there's so many steps that they have to get right. They're so far away from that at the moment. But it does seem like there's a clear roadmap to normalcy right here.
0: Yeah, and I I think you know Porzingis, it's unclear how much he's going to play next year. Right. If he's going to play, Dolan put it out there recently of he's under the impression he could miss the whole year. And I do think they're going to be cautious with him for lots of reasons. I think his group and... And the Knicks, there's no reason to rush him back. No. And does it become like a, a little bit of a Paul George situation from after Paul George's broken leg? You know, he came back for the last month of the season and just, just played a little bit there just so he got on the floor and didn't have a whole nother give him a little something to build off going into the off season. We'll see. It's, a, you can't project it and it's not worth guessing, but it's seven foot three and, and with his body type, they can't have a player who, is put in peril because he's you know he's not all the way back and so I, I think you almost have to treat next year like a redshirt year for him I think it's, it's going to feel a lot like that
1: I agree and that's why I think you know you talked about Fisdale's personality and you know the idea that that he could connect with fans and kind of be a face you needed a coach like that at this point for the Knicks because you know how much they're going to struggle next year and, and maybe even the year after. So it was important to have somebody who was not going to shrink in the face of loss upon loss upon loss, in the face of, uh, you know, continual struggle on the court. And it, it seems like Fisdale is prepared to – handle all of that and handle it well. I, I think that was one of the factors here for the Knicks is, is getting a guy in who could, who could take the losses and, and take the heat and not shrink in that, in that moment, in that
0: environment. And, and I think the Fisdale hiring shows that Scott Perry is the dominant voice in that front office because mm-hmm. uh, Steve Mills has been a David Blatt fan. They played together at Princeton. He's known him. Craig Robinson was also in their front office was another Princeton guy with him. But In the end, Mills was not going to put a coach on Perry who he didn't want to work with. And Perry got on the plane with him. They went to Europe. They met with David Blatt. I was told it went fine. I always thought that was going to be a difficult marriage. Because if you listen to, never mind what anyone might have been saying privately, if you just listen to what they said publicly about what they wanted in their next coach, it didn't match up with David. It just didn't. Mm -hmm. And rightly or wrongly, that was not what seemed to be their... Blueprint and the fact that they did hire Fizz, I think tells you that you know Perry had a strong voice in this. I, I think Fizz was his guy the whole way, and it didn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense as it, for a team president to pair a coach with a GM who don't see eye to eye. It doesn't work, and the Knicks didn't do that. And I think if if Blatt had been hired, I, I think you would have said, "Hey, Mills is really," but I think it's clear he allowed Perry to have a greater voice in this. And so there won't be any excuses that there's not alignment. These guys aren't connected. This is the guy Scott Perry wanted, and so those two will go forward that way.
1: And it's so important, right, because you you look at these successful organizations in the league, and the owner, the team president, the GM, the coach are in lockstep, and that hasn't happened in New York in so long. And I don't know if it's going to happen here, but the idea at, at the very least that Steve Mills did not push David Blatt on Scott Perry and then you know automatically from day one there was a lack of alignment is important because they have an opportunity to operate in lockstep and and you know you talk to coaches and you talk to execs that have worked in New York in the past and they say that, that's one of the biggest factors to why this thing didn't work out when I was here because we weren't all on the same page so you know to me the idea that at the very least on day one it seems like these guys are aligned well is important. Well, one thing I, I'm curious about, I think Knicks fans are curious about, is just the idea that there are so many moving parts, especially this year with all the jobs open. How, how much, how delicate is t- the timing of these things? Like, were the were the Knicks close to losing out on Fizz because of the other interest, and, and how quickly did they have to move on this to get him
0: in in the door? The Knicks did not speed up their process based on phoenix and and fizz had a chance there you know they talked some contract terms in phoenix but he wasn't ready to commit to them Uh, he wasn't ready to leave the market for that job and the others orlando where he interviewed he was in orlando on wednesday the day before he met with dolan in new york on thursday Uh, i know that went well i know both sides were impressed with each other but orlando didn't make an offer they weren't ready to expedite their process and atlanta Fizz has history in Atlanta, and I know Tony Ressler, their owner, was an advocate, but they're paying Mike Budenholzer 14 million plus dollars if he doesn't find another job and there's no offset on his contract. And they're in a complete rebuild in Atlanta. And the idea that they were going to pay Fizz 5 million or, you know, in that ballpark of 5 million or 5 million plus, plus the money they owe Budenholzer if he doesn't get another job, I think made less sense for Atlanta, and I think Atlanta will go with a younger coach, a less expensive coach, and Charlotte job, you know, another place Fizz met with them last week. So I think the Knicks, their timing was fine. I mean, they got to the point here where they had exhausted. There was really no one left for them to interview, to meet with. And, you know, they had the interview with Mike Brown on Sunday, and then they kind of uh, started to huddle Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Fizz was was the guy. So, you know, I think New York knew too. I think they in Milwaukee – are probably the two best jobs. New York, it, it's a better job if Chris Apps is healthy. Milwaukee, because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Orlando, to me, is a very good job, because I, I think you have a very good front office there, and Jeff Waltman, John Hammond. You have a place that traditionally players have wanted to go play in. No taxes in Florida, uh, state taxes, and an organization that has never been afraid to spend money. They spend it on front office coaching, payroll, very good fan base. Orlando's a better job than I think it gets credit for. They've been, it's been sideways for a while. But when it's right, it's a place you can, guys have wanted to play in. And, and, and I do know Fizz was impressed with that and would have given that some thought, but he wanted New York. And so, you know, given the market, he was, there was no coach more universally in this entire spring coaching market. There was no coach that was pursued or there was no more interest in than, than David Fisdale across all the openings
1: yeah so i I mean i guess in that sense the knicks got their guy it seemed like you know at least from scott perry's perspective he was he was the number one prospect uh throughout the process and and now you know moving forward the, the big decisions ahead for new york are obviously getting this this first round draft pick right hitting the draft which you know give uh give phil jackson a little bit of credit he got a couple of picks right in the draft he everything else virtually everything else was a disaster when he was here but he drafted well so it'll be interesting to see if in this first post Phil Jackson draft can can Scott Perry and Steve Mills get it right and then you know you deal with the Kristaps Porzingis situation this summer and you have to decide do you fully commit max extension five years 157 million even though the player is injured? Uh, I think in a perfect world for the Knicks, which which doesn't exist, if they had a good rapport with Porzingis, if there was great, a great amount of trust between player and organization, they could probably say to him, hey, listen, you know, we love you. You know, we're going to take care of you. Just give us this. Give us a window here to spend a little bit more money in 2019 and, and we'll take care of you next summer. That relationship doesn't right. exist. So that's that to me is almost off the table at this point uh for New York because of the history here. It's just gonna be fascinating to me to see how they proceed with Chris Stepps, to see how they handle the negotiations. Um and in my mind you, you you really can't you can't ask him to wait because of what's happened in the past year.
0: Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Books. Raising you wasn't all Skittles and unicorns, but you turned out pretty awesome, thanks to Mom. Look, Mother's Day is coming, and it's her big day. Mom's Day is Book's Day. Books, that's short for bouquets, and these flowers are booking awesome. Moms don't want online sweatshop flowers that will in two days. Your mom deserves flowers from the books. Books flowers are as unique and special as your mom is. They're freshly cut from Books farms and delivered straight to your mom, so they last weeks, not days. Books even has farms located on the side of a volcano that produce flowers so gorgeous. Mom will post pics of them and brag about you. And because Books cut out the middlemen, you'll get amazingly fresh flowers at an amazing price. Show mom how much you care. Send her artisan design flowers from the Books. Order today and get an extra 15% off when you enter Woge woj that's b o u q s.com and remember to enter woj woj to save an extra 15% books.com i think there was some thought before the injury to Porzingis. if he had just continued on what was the tremendous season he was having you know i think there was some thought in his group that they weren't necessarily going to sign that rookie extension without seeing changes in the organization they wanted to see. Without seeing the progress, the Porzingis group may have been willing to wait. I think because of the injury and the risk there, um, he hasn't had a big pro payday, obviously. I think it's perhaps he's more apt to want to get something locked in coming off the injury. So that process will be interesting. The the teams that the Knicks are chasing in the East, I think the two organizations, I think everybody in the league may be chasing over the next five, seven, ten years, however long it could be. Boston and Philadelphia you've been covering that series and you've seen this very diminished Boston team just I'm not quite sure we've seen anything like this this team that we've all kind of kept giving up on Gordon Hayward gets hurt ah oh, well okay maybe they're a playoff team but okay well and then Kyrie Irving gets goes out well okay now they're out the first round and then well here they are now they're up 2-0 on Philly it is uh it is remarkable and Philly has the best player in Joel Embiid and a lot of people make the case, Simmons and Embiid, they have the two best players. Although, Jason Tatum is really, really good. My and goodness. and uh, you we're probably splitting hairs there. But I had a GM in the West say to me yesterday that the balance of power is going to change from West to East. And it's going to come sooner than you think. Because he said, we don't have two teams like that in the West. Mm-hmm. When you look at age and talent, like Philly and Boston will be the two teams in the league. And that's going to swing... The balance of power, and that was from a GM of a very good Western team. Mm -hmm. It is remarkable what the Celtics are doing right now, and um, to taking both those games at home, and at a time when everybody who they put in the lineup has contributed, and players like Terry Rozier are becoming—he's going to be an elite NBA guard. Mm -hmm. It's really impressive. Just the, the idea that all these
1: players know their role and, and play it so well on this Boston team. And, you know, it, just taking it back to the Knicks, if you're the Knicks, you're Steve Mills, you're Scott Perry, you're trying to map out the future uh, and your place in it. You're looking at these two teams who are in your division, who, who, who are basically your neighbors, and you have to be, you know, fearful of, of what they're going to become down the road just because of the way things are set up. For both teams, I mean, these, these both of these teams have fantastic young cores. Philadelphia is going to have money to spend. They both have uh, assets when you're talking about money and draft picks to to continue to enhance their rosters. And so you're behind the eight ball if you're the Knicks, even if you get everything right. You know, you're still looking at potentially facing off against the two juggernauts in the NBA. Uh, you know, four times a year. And, and those two teams are going to be in your way. So it, it's, it's got to be – while you're optimistic if you're a Nick fan today because of the David Fisdale hire, I think looking at this playoff series between the Sixers and the Celtics has to dampen your spirits a bit when you're thinking about
0: what's to come uh, for your team. Yeah, and it, listen, it just shows you Boston's been really, really well run. And Philly was a different – like they've obviously done a very good job of roster building in Philly. But what Danny Ainge has done in Boston with that roster and the restraint he has shown at different times and that cash is chips in to trade for at times a Jimmy Butler, a Paul George just kept drafting and, and the folks trade, the impact that folks trade is going to have. Not only do you get the better, what appears to be the better player in Tatum or the better player is going to contribute more in Tatum, you get another first round pick. He's like, he's just like the guy at the uh, slot machine who just keeps. It just keeps coming out. Like he's got more picks that, you know, the change just keeps coming for him. And they're in position, whether it's Kawhi Leonard, who I, I do question how much that kind of a trade would make sense for them. To me, you would just grow organically with Tatum Brown, Jalen Brown, and let those two keep growing. Mm-hmm. But to me, if you're Boston, you're still waiting for 2019 and to see whether Anthony Davis is going to leave. See what he wants to do in New Orleans. If he if he wants to stay and resign, and he's not, and the team doesn't feel like they have to get something for him, then you'll move on. But at worst, you're going to just let those young guys keep developing. But they don't have to do anything. They don't have to take risks. Right. Right. They don't have to. Just because Kawhi Leonard might be better today than those two guys, you know, you're going to have all your money tied up in Kyrie Irving, Leonard, and or Gordon Hayward. You have three players who have had pretty significant injuries too. And I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard's on the trade market because he's not right now. So, but if he comes on the market, Boston is sitting there. If there's a player they want in the NBA, they can get him because there's no team in the league who can offer the combination of a young, a great young player and a draft pick to get a top five player in the league. They can go get anybody they want.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it's it's just so fascinating to see what Danny Ainge is going to do here. His, his, his cupboard is full. Of assets and, and as you said he showed so much restraint in recent years and, and clearly he's made the right decisions because Boston is is sitting where it's sitting at the moment but those decisions are going to keep uh coming into his lap and it's going to be fascinating to see how he handles everything you know this summer next summer when these stars continue to become available um, but when you talk about the young players You know, it's just amazing to me that Boston has put the infrastructure in place to develop these guys the right way. And that's not something that's been in place in New York for much of the past 20 seasons. And that's something that they're trying to get right. Maybe that's something that David Fisdell helps them get right. But to me, that's, that is paramount to building a successful franchise in the NBA. Having that player development piece in place bringing in young guys who maybe other teams don't want to take a chance on and turning them into players. You know, you look at Philadelphia as well. T.J. McConnell, look at what he did last night. He's a part, He's a product of their player development program, Robert, Robert Covington. Covington. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. I,
0: I think, like, Sam Hinkie's legacy, what Hinkie did do in Philly was he got them a lot of bites at the apple, and they missed on a lot of guys. But yes. everyone's going to miss on a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. It's When you get so many opportunities – so many picks and then guys you run through on and he signed to those long term team friendly deals like McConnell, Robert Covington, where they had those player options where they signed him to those three, four year deals with team options at a time when nobody else wanted them. Those players took it like this is a guarantee that that I can have and that no one else is giving me. You know, Covington turns out to be a player who gets a sixty million dollar plus deal and the kind of role player uh the big shooting forward alongside Embiid and Simmons that that you gotta have on a contender mm-hmm. and, and obviously the veterans they brought in but but I think you know McConnell's lasted longer. I thought they would sort of upgrade on McConnell and he's the kind of guy who just he keeps hanging around, hanging around and he's become a more than a functional NBA player and so you you've got to hit on a couple of those guys. And I think Fizz was in Miami at a time, I'm not sure any organization has uh, use their D league team, G, G league team better than Miami. I mean, they had multiple players on their roster who have come through um, their minor league team, uh, Adam Simon, their GM there, and they, they've got a great eye for talent there. And then knowing the kind of guys that fit for the style of play of their, of Eric Spolstra, and they identify those guys, they get them in their minor league team, and then many of them have worked their way up and through and become useful players for the Heat. And that's part of the blueprint, I think. The Knicks will have to hope Fiz can shape for them because in this NBA with the two-way contracts, the G League, you've got to supplement your roster with those guys.
1: Yeah, you have to hit on those fringe guys, and you have to have those success stories in your organization to really make things work. Uh, and it kind of uh, brings to mind – listen, he's, he's not a, a, a young – off the radar player, but he is a guy who came through the Knicks G League. Uh, Trey Burke had some success with the Knicks this season. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're intrigued by him. They really like what he did, uh, when, when given a bigger opportunity with the big club and, you know, he, he's under contract for next year with a team option, but you, you look at that backcourt now and it's going to be interesting to see how Fisdale approaches things with a Frank Nilakina and Emmanuel Mudiay and a Trey Burke. And I was told that, that one of the questions that kept coming up in these coaching interviews, and it's an obvious one was uh, what are your, how would you develop Frank Nilakina? How would you use Frank Nilakina? And while it is an obvious question, it's also a little bit revealing to me about how this front office with Mills and Perry values Nilakina. I think they value him much more than, you know, people on the outside might uh, think only because it was a Phil Jackson pick. So the idea is then that, okay, Mills and Perry probably kind of dismissed Nilakina. I don't think that's the case. I think they're committed to this kid. So can Fizdale bring out the best in a player like Frank Nilakina? I think that's one of the most important issues for the Knicks going forward.
0: No, absolutely. And, yeah, this will be uh, – Fiz is going to have his press conference – early next week in new york i know he went back to la on thursday night after they agreed on the deal and yeah i think it'll there'll be some enthusiasm here and and draft is coming free agency and so we'll see what kind of team he has going into camp and you've got a train to catch to philly for game three man thanks for jumping in we'll, we'll talk soon man my pleasure Wilsh. thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of the woge pod a big thank you to my guest today espn's ian bagley remember you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast wherever you listen to your pods you can find us on apple podcasts or wherever else you get your shows and thanks today to our sponsor books be sure to support them the way the support is here at the woge pod we'll catch you next time